It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. I'm Zerlina Maxwell here with Jess McIntosh. We are joined by legend, Hall of Famer, um, very, very big deal within the halls of SiriusXM, but also just generally in um, the landscape of radio. Joe Madison, the Black Eagle, is here. He has a new book, Radioactive, a memoir of advocacy and action on the air and in the streets. First of all, congratulations on this. This is incredible. I, Trying well, to put your you? life in a memoir. Oh, uh, yeah. well, not now. Oh, 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 I didn't put my, my hope. There's some things I'm going to have to wait till I'm gone before I tell everything. Is there a secret notebook somewhere? That's so funny. Oh, there, yeah, yeah, there's a secret notebook. But no, first of all, no, thank you. Because, uh, you know, I just wish that I had talked to the two of you uh, before I decided to accept Dr. Uh, Professor Dave Canton's uh, uh, invitation to collaborate with him in putting Radioactive together, I have nothing now but the new respect for people who, uh, you know, write books, edit books. Um, and if, if you if y'all had told me how difficult it was, this would have never gotten done because I just said I don't have time. I you know. And then you have to, you have to go back and remember things. And then you have to ask yourself, do I really want to say this? Do I really want to expose some of these people who, by the way, are still alive? <laughs> and, and, you know, because some of them who are not alive now will, would have been pissed. And they'd have been, they'd have been calling me after not hearing, I'm not having not heard from them in 20 years. I don't remember it that way, you know, so it's, it's, and it's, the book is in my voice. That's what Dave Canton really was very apt at doing. He, we sat down and now get this, we did over 11 years when this first started of, of just, you know, talking into a, a microphone and him asking questions and then the editing process. So thank you for this opportunity. Really, I, I, I appreciate it. Well, thank right. you for sharing as it's much of your self an and adventure. your story with us. It's, you know, it's, it, we, it, you're, you're, you talk every day. We hear your voice on the Joe Madison show. We feel like we know you, but this is a, this, this goes back all the way to the beginning. And I think that's, you know, when you, when you have a radio show, you're sort of jumping in on how are you feeling today and how are you reacting to the news of today? And this really lets us understand where Joe Madison became Joe Madison. Where, where did you decide that you were going to become an activist? How did you decide that this was going to be um, a fight of your life as opposed to, you know, something that mm -hmm. occupied a moment here or there? Um, yeah. So I guess yeah. my first question is, is let, let folks know about the very beginning, the, the, the pieces that they might not know about you. 
Well, uh, well, you know, let me let me go back to the where did this activism began? I, I began really in college, uh, at, at a time when uh, African American students uh, who you know especially were integrating predominantly white colleges were fighting to get uh, black history curriculum. Isn't it ironic that we're fighting and we're fighting that today? Uh, I just thought about that. I mean, um, uh, it, so it started with recognizing that if you're going to lead a move, movement, it's got to be more than a moment. I say that all the time. Uh, move because movements require sacrifice. So I write about how I was captain of an undefeated football team. And the following year, because I was participating in a, with Black students to try to get Black history taught, uh, to get Black professors hired, the football coach just told me, wrote me, a, I mean, a, a letter, I was going to say a rather lengthy letter, and said, we don't want your kind on, on the team, and kicked me off the team. Um, uh, I, you know, uh, it, it, and it started with uh, becoming friends uh, with people like uh, Rosa Parks, who I actually, we led a boycott together in the city of Dearborn. I write about that. I write in that episode, uh, I caught more hell from the black leaders in the city because Henry Ford was calling everybody saying who, you know, who gave this young Negro the permission to boycott my city, Dearborn, Michigan. And I remember going into a breakfast meeting with the mayor of Detroit, a federal judge, um, uh, and, and it was a bunch of, and a labor leader, black labor leader. These are very powerful, influential uh, brothers. And, and they raked me over the coals saying, nobody gave you permission to call a boycott? And I, I said to Coleman Young, I don't need your permission to call a boycott against the city of Dearborn. He actually looked me in the face and said, Joseph, you need my permission to fart in this city. <laughs> and, <clears throat> but, the, but you know what? They couldn't stop it because it was spontaneous. Right. And, and, and that, that's one of the lessons I talk about in the book. Uh, it was Ben Hooks. Matter of fact, they, they tried to get Ben Hooks. I was working for the NACP at the time as their political director, and they tried to get Ben Hooks to fire me. And actually, I mean, wait a minute, and literally, I don't mean figuratively, move me out of Detroit. Don't care where you're taking, but get him out of Detroit. And Ben Hooks in this meeting, I can see it now. And Ben Hooks sat there and listened. Now, he had, remember, he had worked with Dr. King closely. And because and, and, he had been part of the, uh, you know, the um, Memphis, Tennessee um, effort in, in, in the, with the, with the um, sanitation workers. And he looked those men in the eye. We we're sitting, sitting in this church, uh, the Hartford Avenue Baptist Church. And he looked them, and after they got through fussing and throwing out all these demands, he said, he, he said to them, I'm not, he's not going anywhere. He said, you know, this boycott, there's two ways a boycott is successful. It's either well-organized or spontaneous. 
And we know this wasn't well organized because y'all didn't help me. So he, 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 he said, Joseph, come on, we're out of here. And he, we got up and walked out the church. I will always remember that. And, I, and, and once again, I, I, all of these, uh, these um, memories, all these incidents really took place while I was actually on the air doing talk radio. I mean, talk a bit about how, how much you learned when you were young um, from leaders like Rosa Parks and others. I mean, I know Dick Gregory was a mentor of yours. I mean, I feel oh, like yeah. one of the things that is really important in your, your story is the things that you learned from the generation that came before you and the things that you're learning from the generation you know, that's coming behind. Like it's an, it's an intergenerational dialogue. You're clearly a part of that. So can you talk about some of the lessons you've learned through these interactions with these, these civil rights icons that we, well, we all look up to? Well, the first lesson that I, I learned is that, that the, the there's a difference between a moment and a movement. And, um, and that too often we have series of moments. You know, people start a demonstration, they have a rest, they have a rally, and that's a, a moment. And then people go back to their classes or they go back to their homes or they go back to their jobs. All movements require one thing, sacrifice. All movements require sacrifice. That's the first lesson I learned. And all the people that you just mentioned that, I, that became friends, think about it, what they sacrificed. Uh, most folks after, uh, I would tell you after, uh, what was it? I would say 10 years after the, uh, the Montgomery bus boycott, after Rosa Parks refused to get up her seat, uh, most people didn't know who Rosa Parks was. I'm not kidding you. People, even even uh, Dr. King talks about how folks they didn't know who Rosa Parks was. Rosa Parks had had to move out of Alabama, and when I first met her, she was a receptionist for John Conyers, because she couldn't get a job anywhere, and that's how I met her, uh, because she listened to the show every day. First lesson I learned from her was don't repeat that crappy story about. She didn't get up out of her seat because her feet hurt. She said, don't ever tell that story on the air again. She's, uh, and she did it in her mild manner way. Uh, she said, I didn't get up out of my seat because I was thinking about Emmett Till. Not, and can you imagine how proud she would be right now with the Emmett, uh, Emmett Till anti-lynching bill passing after 100 years and 250 tries because this generation, your generation, we refuse to give up. Um, um, you know, Dick Gregory, what did he sacrifice? Dick Gregory was the highest paid comedian. I mean, you think Dave Chappelle makes a lot of money in his day, Dick was the man. And he gave it all up because he saw what was happening in Birmingham. Uh, he didn't know, but let me tell you something. He told me that he really had never met Martin Luther King Jr. He didn't know who Martin Luther King Jr. was. 
And he, but he saw what he was doing and went down and joined Martin Luther King. And when he did, that money started to dry up. Uh, look at uh, Muhammad Ali. Look what he sacrificed. Um, look at uh, one, a friend of mine, John Carlos. Remember John Carlos? Yes. A, yes. John Carlos. John Carlos. They, they could not get a job. You know, we talk and look what, look again, Kaepernick. This is, you know, y'all are not, y'all, y'all are good because y'all bring, getting, I, I got to write another book. John Carlos, <laughs> maybe the three of us can do it together. John Carlos and, and Tommy Smith couldn't get a job. Yeah. They, they're sitting there with gold, with Olympic medals around their neck and couldn't get a job for years. And, 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 it's just like Kaepernick now, can't get rehired, can't get hurt. My, I, and then being on the air, I met John Carlos when I was going, I was work, I was in uh, California, uh, went out to Loma Linda because I had uh, prostate cancer treatments out there. And that was the other thing I was doing my prostate cancer treatment while I was uh, broadcasting and uh, and I, but I would get up at two, three in the morning, do the show because it's West Coast time. And one day I get somebody knocks on the uh, hotel door. I'm in, and uh, it's John Carlos. I never met John Carlos. And somebody said, uh, "Doctor John Carlos would like to uh, meet you." And I'm going, "Who the hell is Doctor John Carlos?" Because I, I didn't the doctor thing through me. And then the, the, he went back to the uh, the clerk, and, and the clerk said, "Well, it's uh, it's it's John Carlos. Wait a minute, John Carlos, Olympic John Carlos. Yeah, that's when I first met him. That's when that's how I first met him. And he he was a listener to the show. Um, all these, uh, you know, this is, I mean." These are, and, and in your lives, I'm certain you, these are, these, you've met these individuals and they've impacted your life. And the last, and not the last lesson, but the other lesson I learned is I do not like this term of passing the torch. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I'll tell you, here's why. And I've said this, I'm, I'm, that because all the people that I've mentioned and others, they didn't pass their torch. They're, they're still hanging on their torch. Rosa Parks held onto that torch till the day she died. What she did was she lit our torches. What Julian Bond did, he lit our torches. So what I say is, I'm not gonna pass the torch because we all need to be on, the, on this active now. We all need to mobilize now. But I tell you what I'll do, I'll light your torch. Because if I pass my torch, I'm in the dark. Mm -hmm. And none of us, none of us can afford now to be, to be in the dark. And that's what I try to do with, with the broadcast, is to light people's torch. So once again, people call, people call they talk, they pontificate. You know, they try to out, sometimes you all know this, they try to outdo us, <laughs> you know. Um, everybody's got a podcast. Okay, great. 
the question now, after all the talking is done, what are you going to do about it? Because everybody can do something. That's, that's really the essence of the book, and that's really the lesson. I, I absolutely love that as a message. We talk about that on our show too. If everybody did what they could with what they had, that's yes. it. <laughs> you that's don't it. have to go out that's and find it. more. That's, that's it. Right. We'd all we'd all be that's fine. It. Look look so, what Cory Booker look what Cory Booker did the other day with right. that yes. circus with that circus they had. I, Cory Booker didn't get in. He didn't speak. He didn't talk about some Senate law or or some bill or some fancy public policy he he wrapped it up with one simple statement i ain't gonna let you take my joy away you deserve this position like more than anybody anybody else that has come be, before us and that wrapped it up uh and that's the other thing that i've learned in in, in this in this business and and that is that um my my grandfather I came back from college one day and uh, I think it was Thanksgiving dinner or I like to believe that's when it was. Um, and, and he said, I was, I was waxing, you know, I was pontificating, you know, my philosophy class, my political side. My grandfather had no more than a sixth grade education growing up in Clarksdale, Mississippi. And he looked at me and said, Joseph, why don't you put it where the goats can get it? What? And, and, and I came to realize what he was saying is, it's an old country saying, goats eat down past the, the grass down to the root. And he said, look, if, if, if you can explain this, what you're saying, so that I can understand it, then I'm certain those folks up there with all their degrees can understand it too. And that's the other lesson I've learned. You know, we, we often say, keep it simple, mm -hmm. you know, but, but his thing was put it where the goats can get it. I used that on President Obama in a, in a White House meeting. <laughs> and, we know, and we know, I mean, you know, he's just brilliant. Uh, and, 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 <laughs> And uh, he was, oh, I got to do this. What do you want me to do? I have to do this. And I, and I was sitting across from him and I said, um, Mr. President, why don't you just put it where the goats can get it? Now, I know he never heard anything like that growing up in Hawaii. <laughs> uh, and, and he looked at me and, and, and then I had to, ex had to explain it to him. And then also in the book is, the, is, is uh, how he ended up actually inviting me to the white house to do a radio interview now wait a minute i this is not tv right this is a, a radio interview and i'm going well yeah we can do it like we're doing by phone now of course we got zoom uh we didn't have zoom then he said no i want you to come to the oval office i said oh sure no problem so we pack up you know i've got a, a i had a program director then who wasn't an engineer but took the place of the engineer because he wanted to go to the Oval Office with right. and And we went through, we did our interview sitting right there in the Oval Office. There's this, this iconic photograph 
of, he said, I want you to sit right here in front of the fireplace where all the heads of state. I know what he was doing. I mean, this was 2010. He's trying to get the vote out, right, for midterm, like we're trying to do now. <laughs> and, and so we went through the answer. He filibustered because he wanted to talk about the budget and that type of thing. And then the funniest line, and, and it's in the interview, and, and you can go back and I heard the helicopter landing outside the, the, on the lawn. You can boom, 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 boom. And he cut the interview short. And he said, oh, man, my, my ride just got here. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, he stopped being presidential. And he said, Joe, you, 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 Joe, you, you, you don't want the brother to miss the ride. Yeah, <laughs> miss my ride. I, uh, so it's it's you know these are the things, and then of course you know Sherry got she had a stroke while we were doing our show, while we were on the air. Um, I talk about how I was um, abandoned by my mother at the age of two. Most people, you know, I talked about working in the summer when I was a um, a child, actually, I, I, I wasn't even a teenager, but I went to work with my grandfather on a what what amounted to a trash truck, and we and I worked every summer in what in those days they called a dump. Today we refer to it as a landfill, and uh, people would haul their their junk, their dump, their garbage, and we went we would I would go through and pick out rags and metal. Anything that you could, today we call it recycling. And that's, mm -hmm. how we made, that's how we made our money. And so the lesson there is, my God, I think back. I go from being abandoned at two, working on a dump, and ending up in the Oval Office with the first Black president of the United States. Wow. Uh, that's in the book that's in the book yeah so that's it's not so much journey. what it's not it's not so much yeah it's the journey that's you know yeah. that's right it's the journey yeah you know what's funny is that my that's actually a line that i'm gonna put and hang up somewhere because it's my mom's like mantra um she says enjoy the journey and <laughs> when i'm not enjoying the journey she goes, Zerlina, I am so, I'm, I'm so sad that you're not enjoying the journey. Like when I, in 2016, when I called being like, I'm quitting, I'm quitting, <laughs> you know, I'm frustrated, yeah. I'm leaving. She's like, I'm so unhappy that you're not enjoying the journey. Zerlina, I just like remember those I love calls. That. Um, yeah. And it, it, you I, know, the I, campaign I, was just hard, her. no shame yeah. the campaign. I met, it was hard I, some days. Yeah, <laughs> I remember, I remember meeting your mother. Uh, and, at the and, Apollo, and, and, and yes, at the Apollo. Yeah. But let me and, and my first yeah. impression. My first impression. This is a no-nonsense woman. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. was, I mean, that was my first impression of of her. Right impression. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right impression. 
right impression. Well, um, we're, we're lucky. Zelina's yeah. mom has gotten to mother a lot of people by all of the Yvette Maxwellisms that we talk about on our show all the time. So hopefully, hopefully, some of her maternal wisdom has been imparted to people other than those she actually mothered in life. It's true. Well, no, she, yeah. she's like this. She's a surrogate. She's adopted like all of my ex boyfriends, you know, so she's a surrogate mom to a lot of people. That's not even a joke. I swear, like, like two Thanksgivings ago, like one of my ex boyfriends was there. That's like, right. it's just so. <laughs> enough so about me, though. No, I know, I know. No, no, no. No, 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 uh, read the works of Will Rogers. I said, Will Rogers, the radio comedian back in the day? Yes, the, the best of Will Rogers, but learn to listen with a third ear and read with a third eye. Now, let me tell you what my third ear caught. The, they were ex-boyfriends at the dinner. <laughs> and their wives and their actual oh. whole kids. All the fair, the whole family. One time, my mom was like, "Can you take a picture?" I was like, "I am not taking a family photo of my ex boyfriend and his <laughs> wife and children for Thanksgiving." Okay, enough about me though. This is the, you can cut all of this out of the interview. Um, Do it is not. not oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is all true. No. This is all true. I would I not. I, I don't. I don't tell lies. Um, yeah. So I think we only have one more minute. And we didn't yeah. even talk about how you were on the air for 52 hours straight. To raise um, money for and, yeah, and, money. Yeah, and, yeah, and so, and that microphone is actually in the African-American History Museum in the Smithsonian. I mean, I wanted to just mention that before we ended this interview Thank because you. that is incredible and amazing. And I feel like yeah, yeah. within SiriusXM, I feel like we look up to you because you are, you've been doing this for so long. And, you know, both of us, you know, we're like new <laughs> and, um, you know, just trying to, to live up to the legacy of people that have been doing it and doing it well and making an impact, which is what we are trying to do every morning. So thank you for what you Well, let me, let me yeah, you, by the way, you, uh, and I'll say this without fear of contradiction. It's the, it's the experience that you bring to the broadcast. And, 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 and I'll share with you something. I know in, in memoirs, you do a lot of name dropping and people tend to look down on that, but you know, hell with what people think. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, Aretha Franklin, a uh, good friend, because you know, in Detroit, and she was a big supporter of civil rights, major, listened to the show mm -hmm. too. And we were just talking one day and, and she said, look, let me tell you about success. There's three things you have to do to be successful. One, you have to be original. Two, you have to be authentic. And see, that's what the two of you are. You're authentic. There's no pretense here. You're not trying to be something you're not. And then the third one, you have to be daring. You have to be original, authentic, and daring. So when I listen to, to, to you know, even though we, you, you're on same time, same time we are, we get to listen, you know, we can pull it up uh, on demand. Uh, that's what I hear. I know you're authentic because I know your background as a political activist and, uh, and, and uh, an operative. 
And, and sometimes y'all say some very daring things. And that's why you get the response that you get. So, I mean, so please don't underestimate and marginalize uh, what you're doing. That's my advice to you. Be original, be authentic, and be daring. And that's what people will, will come to respect. Thank Love you, that. Joe. Joe Madison, the book is radioactive. Obviously, you're going to read it and buy it for everybody in your life who needs who needs their torch lit. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and uh, everything that you have done throughout your remarkable life. It's been an honor to talk to you. Man, Thank you my so much. honor, my honor. And let's let's mobilize and not wait till let's mobilize these voters and let's not wait till September and October to do yeah. it. Start start now. Absolutely. Okay. Stay safe. Thank you so much. Stay safe. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.